Word now, let us look at Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews 7, reading verses 23 through 28. The author of the book of Hebrews is showing the superiority of the priestly ministry of Christ compared to the Old Testament priesthood. And we look at part of this extensive teaching about that. Chapter 7, reading verses 23 through 28, and looking especially at verse 25 tonight. Hear God's Word. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, speaking about the Old Testament Levitical priesthood. But because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for His own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when He offered Himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Father, we pray that You would give us understanding as we come to You. Speak to us through Your Word and the power of Your Holy Spirit, we pray, through Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the stories coming out of this past week's Iowa caucuses and the victories of both Barack Obama and Mike Huckabee was the note that is often heard in presidential campaigns that the candidate uh, feels to the people or somehow comes across to people voting for him as one of us, columnist Peggy Noonan put it this way with regard to Mike Huckabee's supporters in a column this week. She said, they are populist. They don't admire billionaire CEOs. They admire husbands with two jobs who hold the family together for the sake of the kids. They don't need to see the triumph of supply-side thinking. They want to see that that the suffering woman down the street gets the help she needs. They believe that Mr. Huckabee, the the minister who speaks their language, shares down to the bone their anxieties, concerns, and beliefs. And then Noonan goes on to point to some problems as well. Um, It's hard to tell um, who she is for. But my point in that quote is that there is something very powerful about a leader or a potential leader's identification with his people, a leader being able to understand his people's concerns. And then, of course, the hope is he will be able to do something about these concerns. We want to consider tonight this greatly encouraging teaching of our text about Jesus' ongoing ministry as our high priest, his keeping power in his people's lives that through trial and temptation, Jesus Christ continues to save us 
and to bring to completion the salvation that He has begun in us, as verse 25 says. This keeping power of Jesus Christ is summarized in these words, therefore He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. What do we learn from this passage about the present active ministry of Jesus Christ, our great and faithful high priest, the one who saves us completely? Well, first of all, we learn that the keeping power of Jesus Christ is linked to His continuing ministry on our behalf. Maybe this seems obvious, but it's a truth that Christians often lose sight of. The intercession of Jesus Christ is the continuing work of Jesus Christ as our mediator by which He perfects and fully accomplishes the salvation of His people, the salvation that He's begun and that He is able to continue until the day of Christ. Most Christians realize and they affirm and they know that as sinners they could not be saved without the death of Christ on their behalf. And maybe they also know that the life and death of Christ both are on their behalf. But also, this text is teaching us that believers could not be fully saved, their salvation could not be completed without the life of Jesus Christ that goes on after His death and resurrection and ascension to God's right hand, that He is able to save completely. The King James says, He is able to save to the uttermost. And the actual word in the original language is ambiguous, combining both the ideas of He is able to save uh, perpetually with the idea of time, for all time, combining that idea with the idea of completeness. He is able to save totally, completely, fully. Both those senses are there in this phrase in the Greek. And so, Jesus Christ and His keeping power is linked to His continuing ministry on our behalf. He continues to work and to intercede, making our salvation secure. And especially here in this text, His his high priestly intercession is in view. He, we're told, has this unchangeable priesthood. He's been made a priest according to this oath Hebrews refers to, which is referring to Psalm 110, a psalm of David, that it says that Jesus, this mediator, doesn't refer to him by that name, but it's David's greater son has been made a a priest by God's oath. And so, it also describes the fact that his ministry is not hindered by death as the Old Testament priest who died. I would like, I often think about this comparing it to the intercession of Christian parents for their children. Christian parents are always praying for their children, aren't they? No matter how old that child may be, whether he's 3 or 8 or 13, no matter what he's going through, whether he's 20 or 26 or whether that child is 56, if you're a Christian parent, you are always praying for your child, no matter what kind of trial or tribulation, no matter if his or her life is going well, you are always praying. Of course, the prayer of a Christian parent is not always with perfect understanding by any means, and it's, it's weak. And how much greater it is for Jesus Christ as the believer's great high priest 
who has this living and active ministry on our behalf, always interceding for us and applying His work of redemption to us in this way. Probably one of the most eloquent symbols of the intercessory function of the high priest was found in the descriptions in Exodus, in Exodus 28 and 39, of the high priest's sacred garments, his clothes. And the, the, the high priest had on his shoulder pieces, two stones set, one in each shoulder piece, with the names uh, of the sons of Israel engraved on those stones, and they are designated stones of remembrance because it says Aaron bore their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for remembrance, signifying prayer. And then attached in front to the two shoulder pieces of the ephod was the breastplate with 12 precious stones set in the breastplate, four rows of three stones. And also there, the names of the 12 tribes were engraved so that Aaron bore the names of the sons of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he went into the sanctuary to bring them to continual remembrance before the Lord. So, in a very tangible, physical way, symbolizing the high priest's intercessory function and role. So, it is, as it were, the people were carried in before the divine presence in this way, supported, as it were, on the strong shoulders of their high priest and bound closely to His loving and compassionate heart. And so, we remember that those Old Testament figures were but shadows of the reality which is Jesus Christ. And so, we need to understand this present high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ and to be encouraged by it and to be helped spiritually by it day by day and to let that truth increase our daily faith in Christ and His work in our lives day by day. It's not as if He saves us and then He leaves us on our own to try to make it on our own, hopefully. No, He continues to powerfully apply that work of redemption to us and to bring us through to the end. He continues to intercede for us in this deeply mysterious way at the Father's right hand more faithful than any Christian parent, more powerful than any merely human priest. Jesus lives forever, and He will save us completely because He ever lives to make intercession for us. The second aspect of this we see is that the keeping power of Jesus Christ is infallible in its effectiveness. It's infallible in its effectiveness. It's always effective. Again, that phrase is is very powerful. He's able to save to the uttermost, completely. It reminds me of the intersection of Jesus Christ when He was on earth, when He was talking to His disciples about what would happen when He was betrayed. And if you remember in Luke 22, He addresses Peter especially. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. What what an amazing picture for us of the power of Christ praying for someone. He prayed. He says, He assures 
Peter that he's prayed for him. And because of Jesus' prayers, Peter's given this assurance that ultimately Jesus will carry him through, even though he miserably failed and fell into sin. Jesus' intercession ensured that Peter would ultimately strengthen his brothers, which he did. The keeping power, you see, of God was not in Peter. It was in Jesus Christ. It reminds us of Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17. Just to read a verse or two of that, Jesus prays. And again, He repeatedly prays for those who trust in Him and who will trust in Him. He says in verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And then later on in verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That's the kind of high priestly prayer we see Jesus even exercising while he was still on earth. So, as we think about this, we may think about our daily walk this week and the struggle that we have with sin, and, and we may ask, well, what happens when we sin? Well, in 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, John says, basically, he says, my desire is that you not sin, but he knows that Christians will sin, and he says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The NIV says it, one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ is the righteous one. He is our righteousness. We are justified in Him. We stand in that justifying grace, but He also is interceding for us. This verse tells us He's our advocate. He speaks to the Father on our behalf. Hebrews 7 also highlights in verses 26 through 28 that Jesus' high priestly qualifications include the fact that His ministry and His incarnation and who He is, is very fitting for us that such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. In other words, his, He is perfectly qualified. He answers exactly to the requirements of the predicament that we are in as fallen human beings. And so, Christ is able to save us completely. His, his active keeping power is infallible. Jesus' ministry is exactly and perfectly suited to our need from beginning to end. His coming in the flesh, His living under the law perfectly in our place, fulfilling all the requirements of the law for us that we would be righteous in Him, His death on the cross for us, bearing the curse for us, bearing the judgment and wrath of God for us, His resurrection from the dead for us by which we also live in new life, His ascension to God's right hand by which we are also seated in the heavenly places in Christ. And the special point of our text here is is His intercession now at God's right hand, His keeping work on our behalf. What an amazing how fitted, how perfectly suited Jesus' ministry is to our need. I saw this five-minute video the other week about this rescue crew 
crew trying to rescue a couple stranded in this massive flood. I don't even know the show that it was. Just saw this flipping through the stations. And, and here it was, this, this massive flood that was getting deeper as it went along. And this 67-year-old wife and her 72-year-old husband were stuck in their pickup truck. Only you couldn't see that pickup truck at all. This was being taped from a helicopter from some kind of news reporter. And all you could see was about from the chest up, they were standing in this water flowing by them. Thankfully, it wasn't too strong, so they could still stand there in the bed of the truck holding on to the cab of the truck, you know, with the waters coming up higher as it went along. And then you see this rescue helicopter come along, and the reporter and the announcer was explaining how this copter was doing things that were basically not safe. And it finally came down, and one of the rescue workers got out on the actual helicopter leg rail, whatever that's called, which you're not supposed to do. That rail is not supposed to be used that way. And he was sitting there, and the person in one of the seats was directing the helicopter pilot to go another foot this direction or another foot that way because the pilot couldn't actually see. And they were right down there helping this wife first to get on the rail, and then she fell off, and they got her on again, and finally they got her away, and then they came back for the husband as well. This is an amazing rescue scene. But my point in describing that is that these people needed something perfectly suited to their need. They couldn't just grab the rail and climb up. They needed a human being down there with them, almost being swept away, risking life and limb, to help them up on the rail and get them out of there. And every, the whole crew risked their lives and did it. But a key difference, you see, between that rescue attempt and what Jesus Christ does is that that helicopter rescue crew could have failed. And often such crews do fail. But Jesus' saving and keeping power is infallibly effective. And that ought to be a great encouragement to us, as we'll see more. But the third point here is the keeping power of Christ is inextricably linked to His unfailing love for us. The keeping power of Christ is inextricably linked. I tried to find another word for inextricably because that's just such a big word, but I thought, I can't find another word. Inextricably, it has to be that, so I stuck with it. And what I'm saying is the keeping power of Christ cannot be separated from His unfailing love for us. The two go hand in hand. And you especially see this when you put side by side Hebrews 7.25, the verse that we're looking at, and Romans 8.34-39, which is another text that highlights the intercessory work of Christ. And I won't read the whole part of Romans 8 to us, but basically, Paul is rising on the heights to give us supreme assurance that we will persevere and that nothing can separate us from Christ's love. And notice how he links the love of Christ with the intercession of Christ. In verse 33, it says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. There's that same truth. Verse 35 then, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You see how it links right in there with that. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And basically Paul says, no, 
In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. John Owen puts it this way. He says, he whose soul has not been refreshed with a due apprehension or understanding of the unspeakable love, tenderness, and compassion of Jesus Christ is a stranger to the life of faith and to all true spiritual consolation. Owen is saying, you can't know Jesus Christ and you can't understand the life of faith and be a part of the life of faith if your soul isn't refreshed to some degree with Christ's unfailing love. Jesus is our prophet, our priest, our king. As our king, he graciously rules over us. We submit to his rule. As our prophet, he teaches us, and we understand the truth of God from him. But as our high priest, he saves and keeps us. And of course, in all three of these, he unfailingly loves us. And one of the ways that we deeply know this love of Christ is Christ's office of high priest, an infallible demonstration of his continuing love for us. Quote Owen again, Christ intercedes that our sins may be pardoned, our temptations subdued, our sorrows removed, our trials sanctified, our persons saved. That's a lot packed into those phrases there. Our sins be pardoned, our temptations subdued. That's part of the active work of Christ interceding for us. Our sorrows removed. Not that they're completely removed in this life, but we have consolation in them. Our trials sanctified. We have that assurance because Jesus is interceding for us. And our persons saved. We are saved to the end because of Christ. Jesus, out of His overwhelming and unfailing love for us, is still doing all that is necessary for us to be fully and finally saved. Jesus is not passive. He is still active in our lives. Yes, we must persevere in faith and holiness, but even that perseverance is always and only by the keeping power of Jesus and His love. 1 Peter 1.5 says, we are kept through the power of God through faith. We are kept through the power of God. That's the foundation of it, by the power of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all working to keep us to the end through faith. That's the instrument God uses unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So what I'm saying in this final point is that Jesus' love and His keeping power go hand in hand. They're linked together. And the closest analogy I can think of is along these lines. If you are a soldier serving on the front line of Iraq and you're in harm's way day in and day out, what would it be like if your father was the president of the United States? Well, they probably wouldn't let him be there, I'm guessing. But let's say you were. Well, that's the closest analogy I can come to this truth. Your father, the president, loves you. You know he's going to do everything to ensure that you are kept safe. He's going to make sure that your outfit has the Kevlar body armor in its best, newest form. You're going to have tanks and Humvees. You're going to have, you know, all the supplies that you need. But, of course, even this analogy falls short because we know that even the president, with all he could do from Washington, couldn't actually prevent a sniper from shooting you or some roadside explosive to go off and you'd be killed. But still, at least in the analogy, we have the love idea, but we don't have ultimate power. Jesus has ultimate power. Just take the analogy and 
put it up to, you know, the nth degree, and there you have it. Well, how can we apply these truths about Christ's ministry? First of all, the keeping power of Christ and our understanding it helps us to persevere in the trials we're going through. So, the trials that you're going through this week, you need to keep Jesus' high priestly ministry in view. One of the great issues and struggles addressed in the book of Hebrews is addressing this keeping on and continuing in faith, especially in times of hard trial and hardship. And we know that the keeping power of God is the ground of our perseverance. But one of the clearest ways that God's keeping power is exhibited to us is in this ministry of Jesus Christ, His intercession for us. And that truth about what Jesus continues to do for us, to save us completely, that truth should be like a firm foothold for us when trials, when we're like those couple uh, holding on to the cab of the truck and the water's about to sweep us away. We hold on to something. We hold on to what Jesus is doing. Maybe you've seen pictures of people who climb those, climb those sheer rock faces of mountains. And what they do is they look for any little foothold, little crack. It amazes me how they can climb with this little, or maybe they drive in one of those climber spikes into the wall, and then they, they have that foothold, and they hold on to it, and, and they go up higher and higher until they get to the top. Well, the priestly work and the keeping power of Jesus Christ should act like a, a handhold, a foothold of faith, which God Himself has put there for us in His Word. And in times of severe trial and in times of overwhelming discouragement, our focus has to be Jesus Christ, not only what He's done, yes, we hold on to that by faith, but also Jesus Christ at the right hand of God for me, interceding for me. Hallelujah. But also, by way of application, we see that the keeping power of Christ helps us to fight against temptation. Temptation to sin comes to us in many ways. There's always spiritual warfare going on in our lives, in our minds and hearts. We are wrestling with the world and the flesh and the devil day after day. And there are always new and deeper ways that God is working to sanctify us and to make us more like Christ. And what is the greatest weapon that the Lord has given us to continually fight the battle against temptation and sin? The greatest weapon is the exercise of faith. Yes, it's founded on God's Word. Yes, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the instrument by which we are sanctified is faith, taking hold of the truth of God by faith, taking hold of Christ anew by faith, looking to the promises of the Word of God and doing so with the gracious help of the Holy Spirit. Yes, faith looks back to Christ. That's very important. But it also looks ahead to Christ. It looks to Christ in the next few minutes, in the next few hours, looking for Jesus Christ to be for us and to do for us all that He has provided for us in His Word, all that He says. And this is a very God-honoring thing. It's the opposite of that human self-sufficiency which relies on our own strength and enables us to feel somehow self-righteous that we are able to keep the Word of God and the law of God. Just think of how this works. Temptation comes our way. Some thought comes into your mind. Some situation in which you're tempted, some wrong attitude of your heart, some idolatry that you're tempted to love more than Christ. 
And maybe you even start to enter into temptation to some degree. But the way of faith is to call out to Jesus Christ immediately with the understanding of who He is, what He has done, how He's provided for us, and what He's continuing to do. He, he delights to hear that kind of prayer, Lord, help me in temptation. And then finally, the present ministry of Christ, His keeping power, brings us deep and abiding comfort in sorrow. And I would just say the longer I live and the more plainly I see what life is like, I know that there are many heartaches and sorrows and pains that are never fully healed in this life. The loss of a loved one, maybe seeing your child go through a divorce or your grandchild suffering in some way or painful relationships due to the continued problems that we have with sin. These are just a few of the many things that beset us. And yet Jesus' unfailing love for us, His continuing keeping power, His ministry on our behalf continues to lift us up. He's able to save us completely, even in the face of life's darkest hours, even in view of the heartaches that are not removed in this life. And so we must always remember and take to heart, Jesus is at God's right hand for you and for me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus is such a great Savior and Lord, much greater than we can imagine, much more able and willing to act on our behalf, so loving and powerful in His his work on our behalf. We thank you that this is true. We thank you that He is able to save us completely. We ask that you would help us to stand daily in that work. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.